and welcome to Winner Take All. I'm Alex Mozed. I'm really excited to have Peter Saddington with us today as a guest speaker on the show. Peter, lovely to have you with us. I appreciate being here. Thanks so much for inviting me, Alex. Absolutely. Let me take a shot here at at just kind of bragging about some of your background, and then why don't you <laughs> fill in some of the gaps for me? Sure. You've founded, what, four different st- tech startups. You've had some acquisitions and I want to hear and some that's currently going, which we're going to, you know, which we're going to hear about here. Big time crypto guy. I'm sure you made a bunch of money on your crypto investments, including this, this Lambo story, which we're also going to touch on. You do a lot from just agile scrum, uh, you know, coaching. You've had a business around that. You do a lot of stuff on YouTube and other, you know, you got a, you got a big following here on, on YouTube and other video uh, content platforms. And I'm sure there's some other stuff I'm not covering, but um, how did I do? I think you I think you did pretty pretty well. I like to summarize up kind of my my overall life in in three in three words of sorts. I love agile, I love startups, and I love self improvement. So I'm a big fan of all three. Agile software development is one of the best ways to deliver software quickly to customers with quality. Obviously, I've been a perennial entrepreneur for the last two decades, building multiple startups, as you said. I got lucky with a couple acquisitions for sure. Uh, and lastly, I love helping other people. So, And just like yourself, right? And that's why you're on YouTube. That's why you're on communication and social media platforms to help give your voice out to people who might need it. And so I, I love all three of those, and it's a great summary. It's great to have you. Many places we could start with this. You know, Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll get to Emirate in a little bit here, but you know, let's kind of start off with some old news. But um, I have some just you know hilarious imagery here from this. Uh, <laughs> this you know, this guy bought a Lamborghini with Bitcoin for one hundred fifteen dollars. You know, the cheapest Lambo in history. F- fill us in on on what actually went down here, Peter. So the, the, the story's been around for a while now, but it's, uh, it's, it's certainly a fun story worth telling. So I think it's important to give a little bit of context that's germane to this whole idea of crypto and, and, and Lamborghini. But uh, long story short, I got into cryptocurrency in 2011. Uh, I read an Ars Technica article on this technology stack. So I'm a developer engineer. So for me, this whole idea of, and what I read is that this technology stack lost value. Now that didn't make any sense to me, Alex. Uh, you know, C Sharp, .NET, Ruby, PHP. How does a tech stack lose value? And this was in October of 2011. So I went down the rabbit hole and I learned about this thing called Bitcoin. And so I purchased my first Bitcoin in November of 2011 at $2.52. And I've been DCAing or dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies for pretty much a decade now. And one of the things at the time in 2017, I I was building a venture funded startup and we were looking for ways to market and get the, the, uh, the, you know, the name and the brand out there. And there was always this meme idea on Reddit around don't use your crypto gains and don't, don't use your crypto profits to buy a Lamborghini. That's foolery. Well, you know what? I'm just the type of guy to do that anyway. So I I found a guy that was selling a, a Lamborghini for Bitcoin. And we came to struck a deal at 45 bitcoins. And so uh, we did the transaction, uh, videotaped it on YouTube, all this type of stuff. So I became the first person on the planet to buy a Lamborghini Huracan uh, with, with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And so in terms of the original investment, 
it was about $115 worth. So you're not wrong. It's the cheapest Lamborghini in history. It was my little 15 minutes of fame. And I mean, now technically 45 Bitcoin is actually like a $2.5 million car. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that was just, you know, a small amount of your overall, uh, uh, Bitcoin portfolio here, uh, and didn't, didn't leave too much, uh, damage to, to the Bitcoin, um, bank accounts. I think it's a great example of just, you know, this greater sea change, right? Obviously Tesla is making news with the $1.5 billion Bitcoin purchase and all this kind of stuff. We had we had Jim Rickards on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and you know his new book is like called "The New Great Depression," and he was he's not too hot on Bitcoin, but I think he's just kind of that like that older guard, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like economist investor. They don't really get it. He he still says put ten percent of your money into alternatives. <laughs> Maybe he means gold and silver. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That's a separate bucket. He's got 10% in gold bullion. And then he says, do another 10% in alternatives. And like to me, whether it's 10% or whatever, but like Bitcoin is, is like the classical alternative. What's your narrative on kind of, you know, Bitcoin investors, what's going on with Bitcoin these days? I'll give you two great examples that I think any generation can really resonate with. Number one. In 1992, 1993, a guy named Tim Berners-Lee built the internet, which is what all of us are using right now. The internet is a protocol. Now, you don't need to know what that actually means, but a protocol is something that you can't uninvent. You can't get rid of it. And the internet protocol is expanding to every corner of the globe today, ad infinitum, until every facet of the world has been covered. Likewise, Bitcoin is a protocol. I've been quoted uh, by saying this, but it is absolutely true, is that Bitcoin cannot be uninvented. It's a protocol just like the internet. It will continue to expand ad infinitum until every facet of the globe is covered with it. And so that right there from a technological, programmatic, and mathematical position, Bitcoin it's not going to be uninvented. It ain't going away. And so it certainly should be one of the many options that investors or traders should look into to balance out their portfolio. I I would say I would go a little bit heavier than 10%. I'd say 15% is probably where you really should be at. But the second thing that I say is that the younger generation, the generation Z, the generation millennials, right? These guys, they already live in a world of digital currency. What most of the older generation or even the boomers, let's call them that, what they don't realize is that there are trillion dollar micro, micro, trillion dollar economies already in digital currency in video games. World of Warcraft uh, is a great example of that. The, the, all of the big shooter, shoot em up games, all the big MMORPGs, right? Yeah. All of the, they're already working on digital currency, V-Bucks. Now, some of you guys might not know what V-Bucks is, but it's a currency in a game. And my niece, who's 12 years old, would rather have me buy her V-Bucks, which is digital currency for the game, than an actual like Amazon gift card or rollerblades or roller skates. And so the younger generation is already using digital currency in multiple means, actually, in most cases, from a recent uh, study that I saw, the average Generation Z or millennial actually engages with over 16 different currencies in 
usually a period of about a week. Now, you might say, well, how is this possible? They're only 17 years old. How can they interact with 16 different currencies? Because every game that they play has a different digital currency that they use, and they actually spend real money to buy that digital currency. And so we're already transitioning to a world where digital currency is the norm. And so those two, those two ideas, I think, are the strongest reasons why any investor, or let's just say savvy investor, should probably take a double look at Bitcoin as one of those options for investment for sure. That was actually my first business. My first startup was a, was a video game character in Final Fantasy XI, and I <laughs> would sell in-game money for real-world money. It was Gil. Gil was what it was called, right? Gil, that's right. I made a few thousand bucks and bought myself some like old used car um, when I was, I don't know, 16. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. But yeah, you know, you're essentially bringing that kind of financial freedom. And, and we're going to get to censorship and, and, and YouTube and that stuff in a second here. But when you think about the power of this decentralized network, and I love that word protocol, because that's actually exactly how I describe you know, blockchain, Bitcoin, these kind. Right? You, you, just like the internet, you know, that HTTP protocol, you got to build a bunch of services around it for it to kind of deliver on the value prop where everyone's like, oh, the blockchain and everything is going to get disrupted by the blockchain. But it's, you know, yeah, there's the blockchain protocol and Bitcoin is, you know, they're all kind of interrelated, but you got to build a lot of services around it. That's why you got. Coinbase is a, you know, multi-billion dollar unicorn here. Not all the, the experience and services that, that users expect uh, when interacting with Bitcoin or blockchain or whatever it may be, you know, are just there out of the box. But that's kind of the beauty is that the protocol is decentralized mm-hmm. and it allows for all this kind of creative, creativity and innovation to be piled on top, just like the internet, as you said. And also, though, in terms of you know, financial freedom and how, you know, you can essentially to, to probably the, uh, you know, the, the much disgruntled nature of, uh, you know, the Fed or other central governments that, that want to control the monetary system, you know, you can exchange monies um, outside of their reach. But, but we actually are starting to see that be encroached upon a little bit, but it is very interesting uh, this concept. I think the three most powerful words around Bitcoin that I repeat all the time is decentralized. It's permissionless. Oh, that permissionless idea, man. So pow- I could go on for ages around that, but decentralized, permissionless, and it is a financial opportunity. And I think, and, and a lot of people w- would say, well, that's great and all, but where's the application, right? Where's the applications that are being built upon it? They are being built, right? The infrastructure is being built. And because it's a protocol, I always like to say, if I level it up just one level, I like to say it's kind of like an operating system, right? The internet was permissionless, right? It was decentralized. You could build anything on top of the internet protocol. And now, like we have Bitcoin, a financial asset class, now you can build all sorts of applications on it. And they are being built. They're growing day by day. And having been in this world, uh, the crypto world for over a decade, man, it's just, it's amazing stuff, which is why we might get into it, which is why I've dedicated myself uh, to this world, which is why I build in the cryptocurrency space, because it's that nascent, it's that new, and it's that exciting. What are some you know, coins that you're really excited about, A. And B, you had a, you had a tweet here recently where you said, uh, Bitcoin at 50,000 ain't nothing yet. Uh, it's, it's only February and it's alt season. You got to translate this for everyone. Everything going up. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Give us some, what, what is going on in that? Well, everyone in the market loves it when everything go up, right? And, <laughs> and so what we're, see, what we're seeing right now is very much a very similar pattern that I saw in 2014, 15, 2017, and now in 2021 with Bitcoin is we're seeing a massive rise in the valuation of this, of this uh, financial asset and this asset class. And what happens whenever Bitcoin retraces or pulls back a little bit, because it recently just hit 50 grand. So there could be a pretty significant pullback depending on the MACD and all of the, all the, uh, you know, the charting tools that people use out there. Uh, and generally the money for, that flows into Bitcoin, when it retraces, it flows into the alt altcoins. And so right now is, I mean, you asked me about my to the tokens that I'm looking at, I'll give you that in a second, but let me give this preamble, which is everything's going up or everything go up right now. There's so many great projects. If you go to coinmarketcap.com, you can check out the top 100 coins that are out there. And man, I'll be honest with you, in, if, if the pattern rings true that I've seen over the last decade, multiple, multiple cycles of this, take a crapshoot, man. Pick some top tier projects in the top 20, top 25, top 50, you're going to make some money and it's going to be an awesome opportunity to learn about cryptocurrency, get your feet wet and you might lose a little bit, but don't risk your bread money, right? Put it, start with 500 bucks. That's how I always recommend it to people. Start with 500 bucks and consider it loss. You know, if it go, go 500 goes up to 1500, wonderful. Take some profits, try spreading out your risk, try some other tokens. So let's talk about what tokens I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at a lot. So there's a, there's a great, there's a great token out, out of Japan card Cardano ADA, which is definitely worth looking at. There's a great token. Oof. I've been in this token since 2017 ICX icon based out of Korea. It's the interoperability uh, blockchain that's out there. And it's actually one of the most mature ones. Uh, I, I would think I, I would say beyond Ethereum. Um, so Cardano ADA icon ICX, Helium HNT, which is a work utility token, which is what my company is based off right now. So there's a little bit of bias there. Uh, also Algorand in the DeFi space, the decentralized finance space. Algorand is going to be a game changer in my opinion, when it comes to creating new financial systems and new financial apparatus for retail consumers and institutions alike. So those are some that I'm looking at right now. Obviously, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin has to be added in there. And last but not least, I have to give you my favorite coin of all time. It's Dogecoin. I've been mining Dogecoin since 2012 on a Dell XPS laptop. And when, when this last Dogecoin boom happened, Oh man, I, my, my, my email box, my DMs were blowing up. People are like, oh my gosh, we know that you've been mining this thing for like 10 years. Like, how are you making out? And the answer is not too bad. Usually there's an, a, a fancy race car behind you. Does that mean you're shopping for, you know, you getting another race car now with your Dogecoin? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> There could be a Doge, there could be a Doge mobile coming in the future. Uh, the reason yeah. you don't see my race car or the Lambo behind me is because I'm working on uh, go karts right now for my son. So this particular section of the uh, of my world has been taken over. And actually, I can give you a quick kind of view. Look at this, booyah! Oh, Ooh, nice. So we got the the Jeep yeah. back there, and we got the uh, the go karts and the tires. So that's that's what's going on in my uh, my little world right here right now. That's awesome. Now, is it? You know, with these altcoins, not all of them, but some of them, um, you know, are, you know, some of the things you're describing, right? The coins are essentially a part of a business, 
right? And that yes. business is kind of driving value. Very um, much so. and, and then the coin is kind of interwoven into, say, the, the services or, or, or that business. And so, right? so, you know, the business is helping to bring value and demand and, and awareness to the coin as opposed to the coin kind of just being a coin. Now, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with just having a coin, but, but that's what you're kind of alluding to with some of the coins, the altcoins you were talking about, right? They're kind of commingled into an actual business that's, that's doing stuff around them. Whenever I invest in any type of what we call altcoins or alternative tokens in the cryptocurrency space, for me, it's not merely a financial asset class that I can invest in. For me, I actually look at the projects itself. What are they building? How are they creating value for the economies at scale? How are they creating value for the particular market demographic? And are they, in my, in, in, for me as a venture capitalist, this is actually something I really care about, is are they actually pushing the needle? Are they pushing the boundaries of that, the technology so that we can, that retail consumers can use that technology sooner rather than later? And so whenever I suggest tokens to look into, what I'm really saying is look into the projects, look into the leadership. Look into the, their investment partners. Look into their to their their industry partners that they're connected to, because just like in, in, in traditional finance, well, someone one can make an argument for this, but ideally in traditional finance, you when you're investing in Apple, you're looking into the thesis and the future. Prop, you know, profitability and their their market their market share as well as the products they're going to be delivering. Though I think most are not that savvy and they just say Apple go up. Let me just invest. But the but when crypto, you have to do your diligence. You have to look at the project itself and see whether they're going to have a sustainable runway. See if they're going to be profitable. See if they're actually creating something valuable that the market is going to end up buying. And the token itself. Let's talk to this for for a moment. The token itself is merely, in many cases, one of two things for that project. It's a monetary incentive for investors to be part of the pro project and help give cash to the project so they, they can continue to grow. Or number two, the token is used as data transfer within the project itself. So if you're, if it's, if the project itself is not financial, it's let's say it's a utility or it's an application, what they're using the token for is to transfer data back and forth between machines or between systems, applications and so forth. And so the token really is a means of getting work done rather than just a financial asset that say, hey, it's going up, let me invest in it. I really recommend you look into the project itself. Go, going into some some censorship stuff here, um, you know, this XRP situation, right? This is like <laughs> Ripple's coin. They got into trouble with what FINRA or something about their their ICO, their initial coin offering. Yep. And then, but, but, but then, you know, going back to your permission, uh, your permission leg of the tool here, the three tenants of, of Bitcoin, um, that permission was, uh, and maybe it still is, um, regulated, right? You, you were not able to buy and sell, maybe both, uh, the XRP coins for a period of time. Maybe it's still going. I don't know. What, what did I get wrong with that? Or, or you know, what, what, what's your read on what actually is happening there? And is that inappropriate? 
the, the limitation of XRP. The first words that you brought into this particular context are the most important, are kind of the three tenets. So let me just repeat those, right? Decentralized, censorship resistant, and permissionless, very important. And so that is what the original Bitcoin protocol is all about. And the vast majority of cryptocurrency projects out there also live by these particular philosophical tenets. They want their token to be decentralized, not centrally controlled like the Fed or the government. They want it to be permissionless, meaning anyone has accessibility. Anybody has optionality. They can join the project. They can leave the project. They can support it. They can do whatever. It's permissionless. And the third, most importantly, it is censorship resistant, which means anyone and everyone can be a participant in this. And your voice matters. Your vote matters. The, uh, the money that you put into the project matters. Now, when it comes to XRP, what, the reason why they have found the ire of the government regulators and the, and the institutions that be is that they made a lot of money. And there was a lot of transactional value happening. And there was potential as legalities, which is a really gray area, is that they were offering securities uh, to the general public and non-authenticated investors and these types of things, which is obviously a faux pas. You have to be accredited investor in these types of things. Um, and so we're, that's the reason why XRP caught the ire of the, the Fed is because they're, they're looking at this huge pile of money and they really, to be in my opinion, they really just want to figure out how to be part of the game. They want to regulate it so they can be part of the action. That's I, I could bring in other examples of like marijuana, right? The reason why marijuana legalization in America is slow is because they have to figure out how to make money on it, right? There's always a financial reason for the government or the Fed to take some type of control. And the problem is, is that when they do that, and XRP and the leadership that be, you know, Brad, uh, like if they allow that to happen, they are, they are removing the censorship resistance, they are removing the permissionless ideal, and what you're going to end up with is another monetary system like the US dollar or the yen or the pound or whatever. It's going to be centrally controlled. It's going to be manipulated, uh, not to our retail investors, uh, you know, uh, to to us for us, but to our detriment, right? They're going to use it uh, for for you know, what governments do, nefarious reasons, right? Yeah, you know, they want to print seven trillion crypto. They can print seven trillion crypto. Exactly. Then, <laughs> so, then it's, it's completely worthless at that point. But so you know, I've got here coin market cap, right? XRP is six by uh, market cap. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of learning as I go here. So was Brad complicit in this? Did XRP, did Ripple do something to essentially kind of bend the knee to the, the, the financial regulators? Or wouldn't any of these top cryptos be susceptible to, you know, uh, uh, FINRA saying, hey, Coinbase, you got to limit this activity? Or was there actually some kind of participation on behalf of, you know, XRP in this scenario. Is that what you were getting at or did I, did I not catch that? No, you're, you're heading in the right direction. At the end of the day, I just don't know the details, but I only can read what's on the mainstream media, which I don't believe anyway. Uh, so so when, it comes to, when it comes to the details of XRP, this is what I've, I essentially have come to the, kind of the conclusion of, is that XRP caught the ire and the eyeballs of the Fed because they're moving lots of money. They also have government partnerships and they have large industry players that they're working with as well, which requires some semblance of regulatory oversight and some even miss some legislative oversight it really depends. And so they're playing in a game in a world of big controlling individuals, right? Big entities that care about control. 
And that's my, that's my bottom dollar. If you play in that world, you're going to get, you're, you're touching that world and they're going to start, they're going to start clamping down because they want a piece of the action. They've got leverage. I'm on yeah. Ripple's site, you know, uh, they look, I mean, look, they got all these financial institutions on their site. I mean, these are all banks and Amex is on here. I mean, so let's be honest. If you, if you are, a, a, let's say you're a night in the, in the top 1000 cryptos, if you're, if you're 899 on that list, ain't, ain't no fed going to be coming after you. Cause there's they don't see no value in controlling your token. Right. But, and you don't have industry players that are up in DC, right? All these things play together. All these variables matter. And XRP is, is, is plenty, just like you said, the big industry partners, which have to be regulated. So if you play in that game, you got to play in the game. And so I think XRP is feeling the brunt of that right now. And it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome of that is going to be for the rest of the cryptocurrency space. I think a lot of ramifications here um so that'll be interesting to track so so let's go to youtube you know next topic here you currently have your channel here uh you got thirty thousand subs on this thing um vchunting.com you're interviewing vcs you got tim draper here i mean you're doing you're talking about the lambos and bitcoin and um and the scrum and the agile which is so important from from a product development standpoint here and and how to ingrain that and kind of train that in, you know, in people building uh, tech products these days. Um, but you've had two other channels, um, maybe maybe more, but you've had at least two other channels which had more subs than this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those things aren't around anymore. What's why? What's going on with all that? Well, my most successful channel, I have to just shill it, uh, is VinWiki. I think we have 1.4 uh, million subscribers. It's a car uh, YouTube channel. Duh, I've got cars, so I love that too. So that's my most successful and not censored uh, YouTube channel. So almost, I think 1.5 million subscribers there. But yes, you're not wrong. I had two other YouTube channels, one which was called Decentralized TV, which was just about 100,000 subscribers. And then I had another YouTube, which was Bite Size Bitcoin, at its height had about, I think, 60 or 70,000 subscribers. And both of these channels, we're all about cryptocurrency. Decentralized TV, we pushed out about 12 to 16 pieces of content per day around cryptocurrency. So we were the most prolific YouTube channel on the planet, giving out daily news all, pretty much on the hour, every hour um, out to the world. Bite sized Bitcoin, my other personal channel, was my exploration into cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and helping educate people around the power and a lot around the technicals of, of cryptocurrency and how to get in as an entrepreneur and someone like myself, an operator. And these two channels got censored. It was ridiculous. I lost, I think I lost 4,800 videos from decentralized TV and over 3,200 videos. So about over 7,000 videos. I mean, don't even worry about how much time and hours can't went into that. But about 7,000 videos were all deleted by YouTube because this was at the height of cryptocurrency back in 2017, 18. And they just decided that if you were talking about cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, you were anti-establishment, you were anti-government, you were anti the powers that be. Oh, I'm, you could blame me for that. And you might not be wrong if you were to say that, because I generally don't like 
controlling agents over my life. I like autonomy. I like the ability to have self-sovereignty over my time and my value and my effort. I certainly don't like money being stolen from me and given to other people through the means of taxes. And so maybe I've talked about those types of things in those, those videos. And so we, we caught the ire of, of, of YouTube and we had no recompense. We had no way to retrieve it. They just shut us off and said, you're not important to us. And so I had to start over again. Um, and so now I have a personal channel, which said you said about has 30, 30,000 subscribers or so. So it's, it's been a, it's been a rough journey in the content space, to be honest. And, and I don't, I don't know if I have any great answers, but YouTube is definitely not doing themselves any services when it comes to the next generation of content creators who are talking about cryptocurrency and the latest technologies in it. They're not, they're not helping out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, I mean, it's, I mean, it's what we talk about on the show. It's, it's just, you know, it's the monopolies. There's no recourse, as you said. There's nothing you can do, right? You can't, there's no phone number. What are you going nope. to submit a ticket? I mean, there's really no one standing up for these producers. And it's not just YouTube. It's sellers on Amazon. It's, you know, creators across the whole spectrum of, of content, social media platforms. And, and you know, this, uh, I call it, you know, I call them the thought police. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's it's information fascism. It is totally, and it's not okay, and it, it goes against the entire value prop of the business model, right? Like the whole reason is to facilitate the exchange of information and ideas, and help people be creative, and and all this kind of stuff. And because you say, oh, you know, about Bitcoin falls out of vogue, just like if you want to talk about COVID and all these kinds of things. Now, okay, now. We're just going to shut you off. I mean, it's it's very frustrating. It's not only frustrating. I'm sorry to interject, but it's it's disturbing. Uh, it's disturbing. One, we are now living truly, uh, and, and, and people have been saying this for years, but it's so blunt and obvious in our face that we are living in Orwellian times where these monopolies, and you wrote a book on it, so you know, where these monopolies have been incentivized by various means, good and bad, but often monetarily incentive, incentivized in many cases, that it's just better business for them to shut off the other side of the aisle and to shut off other people's voices or dissenting voices or differing opinions, which is quite fascinating to me because I would think as an operator and entrepreneur myself that I would be shutting off a huge potential market segment of customers. So that doesn't ever make any sense in my brain that you would want to censor, which means that they can no longer shop or get value from you. Now, why would I want to censor a, a demographic that I can make money on? It doesn't make any sense to me, but I think there are deeper, let's say maybe political considerations, monetary considerations that they, they play in a world of that is unbeknownst to me and I'm okay with that. Uh, but uh, I, I just find it to be, I find it to be a, because I'm in the South, right? It's like backsliding, man. We're backsliding. We're backsliding into the wrong, the wrong uh, technological oversight. We're backsliding into these techno overlords uh, who, who if, which is fascinating to me because it's like they're offended because they they want to censor essentially because they're offended at some level and so I I've, I I grew up in this, I grew up in 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 time where my parents used to tell me sticks and stones may break your bones uh, but words can never hurt you but I think we now live in a time where uh, if I don't like your words I'm just going to shut you off and so I I think it's a real slippery slope it is now winner take all is doing this you're doing this you know what can you do about it right mm. I'm actually thinking about starting um you know uh, some kind of um, 
petition here where, you know, I actually love what Poland is doing, where Poland has this uh, uh, ruling. The justice minister has said, if, if, if any content platforms unfairly censor uh, creators and, you know, they kick you off, let's say they kick Peter off and, and Poland's going to have a, like a, com- a commission, right? So now you could say, hey, they kicked me off. You know, this, the, I didn't violate any laws. Like, you know, this is uh, Bullocks. And mm-hmm. <laughs> they will then say, okay, YouTube, you have to reinstate, reinstate Peter. And if you don't, we're going to fine you $2 million, $2 million Oof. per offense. Oof. Um, so, you know, to me, that's the kind of stuff that I wonder if states could start doing that because it's not going to happen on the federal level. But I wonder if states could start to do that and say, hey, Peter's in Georgia. If any Georgians are unfairly censored, you know, and, and what, what Poland's doing is they're using, you know, what they've got decades of precedent on, which is, you know, freedom of speech, right? So unless you're violating, you know, you're like, you're, you're saying fire in a theater, right? Um, then, you know, there's precedent around, you know, where those boundaries are and Bitcoin and talking about COVID origination should not be crossing the boundary. Um, but anyway, so that's something which would be great to see in the United States. But at the same time, outside of something like that happening, you're on BitChute. I think you're on BitChute. We're doing Rumble. I think we got to start doing BitChute. But BitChute is a top. I'm on, I'm on Alexa rankings, another monopoly. BitChute is number 359 in the United States. And, and now what's happened, I call them the oxy, the, my, my five oxymorons. There are five startups um, like BitChute and others that are top 1,000 websites in the United States that, you know, have raised like a few million dollars each, but have now been branded. I think BitChute's also been branded this way <clears throat> as extremist, uh, you know, alt-right, uh, you know, perpetrating hatred and all this kind of stuff, um, which goes back to the content censorship of the tech monopolies is actually now a barrier to entry, right? Now they're saying, hey, if you don't spend $100 million a year on content censorship, well, now you're extremist and, and the media is going to brand you as being, you know, a fan of hate speech. What we can do is we can start to go to these other sites that already, you know, 359 is pretty good. So, oh, yeah. you know, why do you like BitChute? I, I think that's what you're using, yep, you know, yep. a lot, right? Or, or what's your opinion on where else to go, basically? Oh, I would highly recommend using multiple different sites like BitChute. I would also recommend, Alex, that you also post your videos on Library. Uh, check out Library. Uh, it's a cryptocurrency platform. It's decentralized. They can never take your stuff down and they have a beautiful UI. Um, and they also have auto uploads. So whenever you upload to YouTube, it'll auto ingest into library. It'll also auto ingest into BitChute. So what's great about YouTube still is that there are open APIs where you can connect these systems. So whenever you upload to YouTube, it automatically uploads to other sites as well. So check out library, another great decentralized um, uh, platform for videos. I use it, uh, use that and BitChute both. And so these are options that content creators have now, uh, decentralized options that are permissionless and censorship resistant, right? They're on the blockchain, it can never go away. And that's what I love about the part of the decentralized uh, applications that are coming out now, is that we really have a true historical record. I don't know if we wanna go into this just yet, but one of my biggest pet peeves is the doctoring and of history and the rewriting of history. I have hated Wikipedia for so long. I think it's absolute dog poop. And 
There are other alternatives. Check out Everypedia. It's a decentralized version of Wikipedia, and they can't doctor or change history. We have some of the uh, – I read an article about this. Of course, it's not mainstream article, but I read an article about, about how – we have right now, and I don't think many people understand this, is we are in a time in which the greatest revisionist history undertakings are happening right under our noses. And our kids and our kids' kids are going to look back at our times and they're going to have a zero real perspective of what really transpired. Uh, it's, it's insanity. And so we live in this world of not only censorship, but going beyond that revisionist history. And so I think it's even more important for, uh, for content creators to ensure your place in history, upload your stuff to a decentralized system like BitChute and like library. That way, just like you learn from me, I lost over 7,000 videos. We're talking about thousands of hours of content work. Brother, you know, Alex, how much work it takes to put into this stuff and it's all gone. Like literally they erased like three years of my life um, and, and I can never get that back and I'll never be able to, you know, have people learn of, about what I was saying about Bitcoin and crypto at the time. There's some really juicy moments, especially when Bitcoin was under a thousand dollars. Those are worth remembering, man. It's 1984. If you haven't read 1984, not, not you, but I mean, it. I'm getting t-shirts made, Peter. I'm going to send you one. Two plus two equals five. It's going to be the new slogan of uh, winner take all. I'm telling you. And that's exactly the premise, right? Is when you can just rewrite history. I mean, it, it, is, it is psychological uh, rewiring of your brain mm. when you know, you're forced to think things that you just know aren't true. When history is this kind of malleable, uh, you know, there's no foundation. You know, this stuff psychologically is just not healthy. So I'm right there with you. And yeah, and that, it's such a great point, right? Just not even to the subscribers and all this stuff, right? I mean, just, just the video content that is now gone. Didn't even have a chance to, to, to transition it or any of this, right? You know, it just, it really is a travesty. And, it, and, and the ir irony is you'd think with platforms and the internet, you know, this would be the golden age of information when it really is kind of like the dark ages uh, in terms of censorship and, and these Orwe Orwellian, um, you know, kind of uh, monopolistic rulers that uh, have co-opted uh, freedom of speech and, and are, are effectively our thought police. The irony is so thick, isn't it? In an age of technology that we're in, in the age of access to information that we're in, literally, I mean, 20 years ago, Ain't nobody would have the power that we have now on these cell phones. I can access anything now. But the irony is that with all of the access and all the information out there, we are now being funneled to a single narrative by the powers that be, those that control the media. And we're actually, in my opinion, we're actually able to learn less. And the reason is whenever you go to Google and you type in, if you type in any search term, you're going to be shown the narrative that they want you to see. And so the only way to get alternative narratives in alternative versions and alternative viewpoints is you have to scroll nine pages on Google, which I haven't done in over a decade. I don't think I've ever scrolled past page two. Let's be honest. Um, so I use DuckDuckGo um, for anyone out there. I use DuckDuckGo right now uh, for my YouTube, uh, for not my, not, my, not my YouTube, but my internet searches so that I get a, 
I believe, a more balanced and objective search results rather than Google, which is pushing me towards a narrative where everything is insane. Uh, literally, every, the, world, the world is upside down right now in so many different ways. Black is white, white is black, uh, up is down, and two plus two is certainly five. You're not wrong, Alex. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Okay. So I want to hear what, you know, what's going on with Emirate here. Um, I could try to describe it, but I figure I might as well let you do it. And, uh, and then, you know, let's, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. I'll give you the TLDR. So Emirate, you can check out emirate.io. It's our website. And what we want to do is uh, what we're doing essentially is building the global IOT network of the future. How people out there can see that is the first global wireless network. That's what you can look at. Right now, we don't have that. We don't have a global free wireless wireless network that you can connect to and you can run applications on. And so this is a combination of two things that I deeply care about. Number one, I love educating people about cryptocurrency and getting them into the game. Number two, back in 2017 and 2018, I spent half a million dollars trying to mine cryptocurrency at scale. I learned it was not economically efficient uh, and it was really power intensive and it was a horrible experience setting those up because I was sweating like a sauna in there. Uh, there's a lot of great life lessons there. And so what I've done is I've combined these two passions. How can we get people into cryptocurrency? Because let's be intellectually honest, in a lot of ways, cryptocurrency requires some sophistication, hashing, mining, digital wallets, exchanges. Like there's, there's a little bit of sophistication that is required there. And number two, how can we get people in, in the game without them having any of that? Well, what I created and what I built is this. It's a real cryptocurrency hardware project. It's a real hardware tangible asset, right? This is a hardware miner. So you can go to emirate.io and get my hardware miner for free. And when you connect that hardware miner to your mobile app and your wireless, uh, your Wi-Fi, you will immediately begin mining cryptocurrency at about less than an LED light bulb to run per month, about 37 cents per month on average. And so you're essentially mining cryptocurrency for free. And not only that, on the app, you're able to create, uh, have fiat off ramps. And so for the first time, for the first time, this is really powerful. Imagine this, my friend. Imagine that you have a mobile app where you can see your cryptocurrency uh, gains and your investments growing from a machine that you have parked in your in your in your uh, office. And now that your cryptocurrency is earning on that mobile app, you can trade it for their cryptocurrencies, or you can buy buy actual coffee with it on a Visa debit card that we attach to it. And so, for the first time, you're in cryptocurrency. You've done nothing sophisticated to get into it other than sign up at emirate.io and get our hardware miner for free. And now you can learn more about cryptocurrency, earn, and I think what's most important, and I cannot go without saying this, I believe that we have begun the initial rumblings of a true equitable universal basic income. Now, people will ask, hey, Peter, if I get your hardware miner from you, how much can I earn? Well, it's about $25 a month. And you might say, well, Peter, I'm American. $25 don't mean nothing to you. That doesn't mean nothing to me because I'm American and I'm, I'm well off. Okay, great. That's wonderful. But you might not be our target market. 90% of the world, 25 USD is significant money. To 50% of the world, 25 to 30 USD is life-changing money. If I can get this into emerging economies like Asia, India, Latin America, right? If I can get this in there, which we're already in 30 countries right now, which is really exciting. 
If I can get it in there, I'm changing the trajectory of those individuals' lives. They no longer need to have to worry about hand to mouth. They have that covered because they have my hotspot miner for free and makes them 25 USD, which is a lot of money in, a lot, in some of these countries. And now they can be innovative. They can start building. They can spend more time with their spouse, more time with their kids. They can be creative. And I was, remember talking to one of my investors uh, a couple months back about this. And I was telling, I was saying, imagine if there could be a technological explosion in these emerging economies simply because they no longer need to worry about hand to mouth. They have that covered for them. And so this is the, this is the vision that we have here at Emirate is that we want to uh, give you our little mantra. We are all our own leaders serving humankind and activating human potential by being radically transparent, innovative, and adaptive. That's what we want to do. We want to activate human potential and give them products for free to get them into cryptocurrency, earning for free, and then leveraging those, that income and leveraging those opportunities to create powerful new ideas out into the world. And we've been around for uh, just a year now. Uh, in February of last 2020, we were four people, and right now we are over 30 people, and we are growing like gangbusters because apparently when you give the world free hardware that mines them cryptocurrency for less than a dollar a month, apparently the demand is not our problem, it's, it's supply. So that's what we're doing here over at Emirate.io. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome, man. So now, can, the can I ask you a few questions on it? Sure, of course. These cool spots... They can, when you say networks we power, does that mean that they can mine multiple different types of crypto or how does that work? Great question. Right now, this miner only mines HNT, helium tokens. And so HNT is a work slash utility token. At least that was the original substantiation of it. And what it, it, what it does is it, power, it incentivizes people to power and help us support this global network that we want to build. The Helium token, for those who are interested, Helium has been around, the project's been around for over eight years. It's got a great track record. It's been growing for almost a decade now. And it's the fastest, the fastest growing network in the world, this IoT global network. And we here at Emirate are the biggest deployers of our cool spots that are helping power this network. And so the Helium token is a token that you get for helping support the network and ensure that coverage exists. It's called proof of coverage. I'll give you a simple example. I have one of these obviously in my house and I've convinced my neighbors all over my little city here, I live in a little city, uh, to run these as well. So now we have a fully complete network in my town that you can run applications off of for free. It's amazing. And you get to be incentivized by getting paid about 25 to 30 bucks USD per month. It's free money. And so it's a great way to help support and grow a wireless network so that people can access it for free. But also it's, it's great for your wallet too. And it gets you into crypto, which is great because you can now trade this HNT for other crypto tokens or probably one of the best bets is trade it for some Bitcoin. Couple things there. So I can get HNT, you know, I assume, you know, $25 a month, you're saying, okay, uh, you know, you can look at here's how much of a, of an HNT coin you'd get per month. And then you can yep, yep, kind yep. of back out of that a rough value. And that's how you get into the $25. Okay. That makes sense. And then for your business model, right? It, you obviously have a bunch of HNT coins, I'm sure. Right. And, and so if you're getting more people using this, 
and you're bringing more awareness and more demand kind of back to our point on the altcoins are kind of commingled into a broader business model, right? Then that should help the, the, the price of HNT rise, right? Absolutely. 100%. And then the other thing that you're getting at is you say, okay, well, if I had a universe where we had, you know, whatever it is, a million of these cool spots, uh, in Georgia or in Florida or whatever it is, then, and, and these things are all connected to Wi-Fi, then I could essentially provide like an alternative kind of like mesh network communication uh, protocol that, you know, people could, 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 could leverage for their, for IOT devices or, yes. you know, maybe like really light uh, texting or, you know, kind of uh, that kind of stuff, right? Or these kinds of things. Is, is that what you're saying? You got it. 100%. Everything you said is true. Absolutely. And it's free and it's going to be free uh, because it's the people's network, not a telecom network. And that's the decentralized power of, of our project is that every person who gets a free cool spot from us becomes a node in the network. And so you own the network. You get paid to support the network, not a huge telecom, but you do. You get incentivized to do that. And so it's really, it, it really does live out the decentralized, permissionless, uh, right? The ideals of cryptocurrency in that it's not a big telco. It's bunch of individuals, thousands of them all over the planet who are giving of their a little bit of internet power and uh, you know a little bit of little bit of energy uh, to help creating a network that is a, f- a kind of real physical network of these nodes all over the place as opposed to a technological network like bitcoin so you really are participating in something real and something useful for the future which is which is i think important uh, i think in the maturity of cryptocurrency a lot there's a lot of projects that are all software right but we're one of the few cryptocurrency projects that actually gives you a real hardware asset, a real tangible asset that makes you money. Uh, our, mo- our model is get free, get paid. That's it. You get our product for free and then you get paid for doing so. It's really, really cool. Definitely different. Uh, but, you know, you got to <laughs> you gotta, everyone's got to have their, their own slant on things. And I mean, um, I really like to play in the emerging markets. And, you know, oh, yeah. I think... I think your piece there, your point there is there's this kind of uh, constant back and forth and in, in many of these, you know, the, you know, the, the, you just call them elitist crowds, the think tanks, right? Where they kind of, kind of this conversation about like equity, right? Mm-hmm. How, how does the average American um, share in equity uh, for, you know, the rise of industry or wh- whatever it is, right? The growth of the economy. H- how do they have participation in that um, right. as opposed to kind of being left behind as, as you know, unfortunately we're, we're seeing, you know, we saw that gap widen in 08. Uh, what we're seeing now with COVID is just unprecedented that gap, um, you know, just, just getting wider and wider, unfortunately. But I think what you're also saying there is if you can get this device, and if, you know, a lot of the, and I don't know where the HNT, you know, holders are, but, but essentially what you're, you're allowing kind of that, uh, you know, that currency exchange or that value exchange to go cross border. So you can get your sliver of HNT in India. Um, but, you know, the, the value that that would have relative that purchasing power that it would have you know, in that, you know, in, in your local kind of rural economy and in, in a lot of these emerging markets um, would be, you know, extremely powerful. 
I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me. If we're going to push the envelope here, Alex, right? And we're going to push the boundaries of YouTube censorship and stuff like this, uh, which I'm totally okay with, then there literally is a world now that we have helped create where individuals can truly be, track with me here, truly be outside of our financial system. Think about this. Let's say you're in India and you get one of these from me for free. Now you're making 25 USD. Now you can invest that 25 USD in HNT to other tokens where you can make more money. You can stake those tokens in our application, which I didn't even cover, which can make you even more money. Or you can fiat off-ramp it into a Visa debit card. And we're going to offer financial services like savings, checking, and even loans because we can collateralize the amount that you'll earn through the box as a collateral against your loan amount. And so you literally will never need to go to a bank ever again because you have your own personal bank, which is a cool spot in your house. And so this is part of the vision that I've had for a decentralized world is if I can get people outside, and they're never ever going to be truly outside, but if I can get people relatively outside the crappy financial systems that are, are in existence today, and they can be self-sufficient away from them and have personal sovereignty over their value and time, then I think I'm making a, a, gin, a ginormous impact in the world. And this, this, is, this is the reason why in, I endeavor on it. And we're grinding 20-hour days to make it happen because this is a powerful idea that you could earn and never actually have to interact or engage with the bank ever again. That's powerful in my opinion. Well, I can tell you, Peter, I'm ordering one or maybe a couple. You can order as many as you want. Yeah, I have a guy in... Uh, I have a guy in uh, UK who's ordered over 300 of these and he's, his passive income is pretty daggone good. Let me tell you that. You know, it was actually just recommended to me by an advisor of mine. I haven't read the book yet, but it's on my list. The Sovereign Individual, which I guess Peter Thiel, you know, wrote the yes. forward for, for the book. Um, great book. Don't know, have you read it? Yes. Yes. Great book. Great book. I mean, it just sounds right. I mean, it's, on, it's, it's at the top of my list now uh, for me to get through, but um yeah. How do, how do you help people take personal responsibility, have that financial freedom? And, you know, I think we're just seeing that kind of that rebellion um, in, in it's not just an American thing. You know, it's, I think it's a human thing. You know, no one wants to have the thumb uh, pressed down upon them. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're just seeing that that downward pressure uh, in so many ways and monopolies being a polluter of that. So anyway. It's called Emirate. Go to emirate.io. Peter, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Any, any last words, my friend? Nope. Just thanks so much, Alex, for the opportunity to chat with you. I'd love to come on and hang out if, if the opportunity arises again. Thanks so much. Absolutely. That's Peter Saddington, everyone. Uh, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you again soon.